everybody, and welcome to a Foolishly Faithful episode seven. The date is March 23rd, 2023, and I'm here with Eric, and it's just the two of us today in the booth, and we're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic a little bit, wrapped up. We just had the finals. We're going to do some injury updates throughout the for the Mets and throughout the league. We are going to recap spring training from the week, and then we're going to talk a little bit about City Field, the upgrades that's been made, as well as some of the other Mets organizational moves that are happening this that happened last week uh so i guess without further ado we can start off with the world baseball classic and talk about how that finished up yeah um well just two days ago japan beat uh the united states in the final in what was a thrilling game i watched every pitch um and it culminated in one of my favorite baseball moments in recent memory um which was shohei otani striking out mike trout to end the game um, I think that was a moment that everyone kind of had anticipated going into the into the competition because you know it's these the two best the two best players in the world who are on the same team and who never get to face each other and <laughs> and now they get to finally face each other and and put their their strength to the test. Um, and I don't I don't know if you watched the clip or or you had watched the whole at bat, but that was that was greatness on display. I mean, Shohei Ota- Shohei Otani is an absolute monster. Um, he, he struck, he struck out Mike, Mike Trout on, um, on, on a full count slider that started in the middle of the plate and dipped out, um, which was preceded by two, hundred mile an hour fastballs gassed up down the middle of the plate. Um, but I was just as a fan of baseball, I was so excited to watch that. And I was honestly giddy that they made it happen because there was a lot of, uh, talk during the game of, when will Shohei come in? Will he come in? He kept going to the bullpen and coming back out. Like I think between like the fifth inning and the ninth inning, he would jog out to the bullpen in between innings and come back. He's de-aging. He's not playing the field. Um, but he's also like getting his exercise and going back and forth. And I'm very glad they, they had him close the game and to finish it off against Trout and the, and the top of the lineup. I, I did. I did watch the last couple of innings of the finale. I didn't, you know, watch the whole game. Um, but it, it it was very entertaining as as kind of upset as i am about at the world baseball classic uh, still with the diaz injury <laughs> it it was a it was a pretty fun way to end that i think um i saw that the broadcasters hyped it up a little bit in the beginning of the game hoping that they would see that matchup and you know what a what a way to end it i mean it, i you know again as like someone who follows the mets so closely and i don't watch a ton of other teams i don't i don't think i've gotten to see shohei really pitch like for a whole inning in a row, you know, you see clips here and there. His stuff is nasty. You know, it's I mean so that good. that slider really dives. That fastball is gas. And like I can't wait till he's a Met next year. I'm just thinking <laughs> the same thing. I'm, like, I'm gonna lose my mind when he comes to the Mets. Oh man. It's that hopeful. is so entertaining. Honestly, and yeah, you know, I think one of the most entertaining things was to watch the Jap- the clip of the Japanese broadcast just for the end. I didn't see the whole Japanese broadcast, but mm-hmm. getting to watch or listen to like their reaction to it, it was better by far than the the Fox broadcast, oh, sure. I thought. Um and just, you know, I, I didn't understand a word obviously that was being said, but it was amazing. Like I, you know, it made me smile so much, just like the enthusiasm in the broadcaster's voice. And I think it was the same thing. You know, I you I heard the clip also for their uh, walk-off win against Mexico. And that was also a fantastic clip. You know, I without knowing anything, I like I was watching the clip and after I had watched the actual, you know, the brought the Fox broadcast and 
my wife is like, oh, is that the Japanese broadcast of the game? Just like, you know, you don't even know what's going on, but you hear it and you just hear the emotion and you know what's going, you know, you can just tell. Um, yeah, so definitely. So yeah. Watch. yeah, I mean, I have my problems with the FS1 broadcast. So, you know, in addition to John Smoltz, who is clearly a homer for all things Atlanta Braves, which really gets on my <laughs> nerves. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's all, it's too much, too much gunk in the Fox broadcasts. Um, but one more note on, on Trout versus Otani. I found this stat the other day, um, after the game that I honestly could not believe. And it's, it's more of a testimony to Mike Trout's greatness. Um, but Mike Trout has had 6,174 career MLB plate appearances in those plate appearances, only 24 of them. In 24 of those play appearances, has he had three swinging strikes, where he struck out and he swung at he swung three times. That's that's, that's how good fast. his eye is. That's, that's how good he fast, can actually. adjust. And you it's said like you, you can't throw him what six thousand one hundred seventy four career MLB played appearances, and he's right. only struck out three. He's only struck out swinging on three pitches twenty four times. That's a point. That's about point three point four percent right there. That is that's, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's how good he is. It's you can't throw him the same pitch more more than twice because he'll make an adjustment and he'll foul it off and you have to give him something else. And Otani just brought his absolute best stuff. Um I mean maybe maybe that's maybe it's like, oh, I know Mike so I know Mike Trout so well, I know what he can't hit, and I'm just gonna throw him something, or I know he's gonna chase like a fastball down the middle, so I'm gonna give him this slider that tucks away. I mean, other than that slider, I think he all he did was throw him gas, right? I mean Maybe he had a cutter that kind of cut off the plate there at the end. I don't know what yeah. he throws, but I think if I remember, it was he started with, um, I think he started with the slider and it went in the dirt for ball one. Then he threw a fastball at a hundred at about knee height. Then he threw something at like a hundred and two and it was off the plate. Um, I did, I did that. yeah, the 102, I think he like, he, he pulled in the dirt. Yeah, he pulled, it, it went down the dirt. Maybe yeah. that might've been ball three. There was a hundred mile an hour that was just off the plate outside. And then for strike two, it was a hundred miles an hour right down the middle and Trout was late on it. And so of course now Trout's hunting for fastballs down the middle and Otani throws the most beautiful slider I've ever seen and just completely kicks away. Um, and watching him celebrate was just, it was, yeah, it was great. It was joyous. Pure joy. And, you know, like, you know, it got lost in it a little bit because he got doubled up um, on Mookie Betts' at bat. But mm-hmm. Jeff McNeil had a nice, had a nice Drew nice walk. At bat. Drew walk. I guess. Five pitch walk. He, it was some, it was, I think it might have been, uh, it was like a five or six pitch walk. I'm not, I mean, there were some close remember. pitches there. It was a good eye and very good play discipline um, yeah. against an obviously very tough pitcher. Yeah. Um, but Jeff McNeil's no slouch. No, he's not. He was, he was pretty excited um, too on that walk. Yeah. And, you know, did you see the, um, that Otani had put in, like, you know, he had a, he has his goals journal that every once in a while got like that he filled out as like a kid and every once in a while got like, gets like published because he hits one of them. And one of them was his goals at age 27 was to be on the Japanese world baseball classic team and win the MVP of the world baseball classic. That's amazing. I didn't know. I didn't know he had a dream journal or something like that. That's awesome. It's fantastic. It's, you know, like, you can he called the shot he called the shot and he got it like that's the thing is like this this kid i mean he's around the same age as me i can't really call him a kid but otani <laughs> is so is like he's clearly such a competitor and he clearly just wants to win and he wants to be amazing and he wants to like rise to greatness that all of the rumors about oh he's not happy playing for the angels because they don't win anything and they keep losing 
have to be true. They have to be true. Do you think he he enjoys toiling away? Do you think him and Mike try to enjoy toiling away, playing, and like coming in third place in the in the AL West every year? No, of no, course not. Mike Mike Trout signed up for that though. You know what I mean? Like Mike Trout did sign up for that. He he knew what he was getting into when he signed that contract. I feel so. You know, but but I mean, after playing that game, you think he still feels that way? <laughs> <laughs> like, give me the I mean, fuck out of here. I mean, Trout Trout called it the most important game he's ever played in, and you know. It might be true. Has he's he's played in I think one playoff series for the Angels in his career. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Angels are are doing their best job at wasting the careers of great baseball players. Yeah. <laughs> um. All no, right. I agree. So, do, do you want to move on to the re- some more uh, World Baseball Classic reactions? Sure. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, most of my reactions are just about how amazing the Japanese team was. Um. They swept. They, there's a they was swept. a second the second undefeated. undefeated team in World Baseball Classic history. I think uh, Dominican Republic did it when they won. Back um, in 2013, right? Yeah. Or yeah. 20... Around 2013? there. 2013? 2011? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Japan game versus Mexico was amazing as well Fantastic. the night before that, um, or two nights before that. Um, it was the night before. They didn't get a day off. They didn't get a day off. No. Right. They came They came from all the way from Tokyo and then immediately played some baseball. No. Was Mexico game played in Tokyo? No. No, I'm sorry. Japan Japan oh. won their, their pool and their quarterfinal right. game and then right. came for the semifinal game. Flew across the country. I think they maybe had a day or two of rest, but then had to jump into a game. Um, that game was amazing. That again, as you mentioned, there was a walk off by Munataka Murakami, who that was oh, an incredible moment because it was a redemption moment. He had, I think, it was over four. He had three strikeouts, um, and what I had learned was he he won the triple crown in the NPB the year before. Um, he was the MVP for his division, and you know he was looking absolutely just despondent because he couldn't hit anything and then um the announcers on the broadcast that i were watching were saying do we do you have him bunt Crazy. and luckily they did not have him bunt um, <laughs> there were two runners on um and it's like oh we can move him over i think there's only one out or zero outs there's um, no outs yeah. there's no outs but and you know they trusted no, him yeah. and he just cranks it to center field for the walk-off and how about i don't know who was running i know it was a pinch runner but mm-hmm. he flew around the bases from first base like he made it like he probably, you know, most runners probably would have made it. Um, certainly if you're a pinch runner, but like he, he, it wasn't even close. He had a great read. Yeah. Um, yeah, the U- U.S. played a, uh, played a really exciting game too. To uh, I think it was the quarterfinals um, against Venezuela. The Turner, you know, down two runs, bases loaded. Turner hit the grand slam, um, and then he kept it going. Right? He didn't. He he was red hot against Cuba when the the U.S. trounced them, and then. Um, did yeah. he get one and, of our runs in the? Yeah, I think he had two home runs in the. Yeah, Trey Turner had two run, two solo shots in the Cuba game the Crazy. night after, and then he also his first at bat in the final was a home run as well. And then I don't know if you saw it today, he also had a a home run in spring did training. Really? Oh my god! In the same spot, he's he's just been pulling at the left. And let's hope he it. he cools down a little bit. I will hope so. I hope he gets so. an <laughs> waste, Let's let him waste all his bullets. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad he's feeling happy. He's had that great moment because it really was an incredible grand slam. Like it at, was. Yeah. The, at the most amazing, he was down 0-2. Um, I thought he was in the hole and then crushed it. Yeah, absolutely crushed it. Um, um, yeah. Um, so those are the big games recently. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad um to have seen Japan play um because they're such a good team and yeah. it was it was hard to watch them. I mean, I didn't watch anything other than clips from earlier in the tournament because they were the games were at either 11 p.m. or 5 in the morning or something. Right. Um, but they, they were so good. And 
you know, we talked about the Shohei Otani future event, but there were a lot of players on that team who, if they ever came to Major League Baseball, I would love the Mets to sign them um, because they're young and they were really good. The pitcher who started um, against Mexico in the semifinal game, Roki Sasaki, 21 years old, and he was so good. He was throwing gas. He was throwing 100 miles so an hour. Hard. It's crazy how hard they've been. That the Japanese team players have thrown. It's it's cra- I don't know how they do it. The, the pitchers are so good. Everyone has this splitter that honestly looks like a ghost fork. It looks like some variation of a ghost fork that just dies. Um, I think Trap struck out on that splitter against Japan twice. Hmm. Whoever was pitching earlier um, in that in the final game. Um, yeah, Roki Sasaki. Every it's funny. Every time he was pitching, he before he threw a pitch, he went to the Ryzen bag, and he you know he's, hmm. he's getting the the. The rise on his Gets an extra pack. And then when you watch the when you watch the slow-mo replay of him throwing, the rosin with the ball, the rosin kind of like explodes out. It almost really? looks like it's a cannon, just like boom. That's pretty cool. Spires in. Maybe maybe it's for effect, um, but it looks pretty cool <laughs> as well. Um and yeah, another young, another young player, the 20-year-old who pitched in the final, who struck out Trout and Goldschmidt, Hiroto Takahashi, 20 years old, and then um Munitaka Murakami, who had the walk-off, who was the Triple Crown winner, 23 right. years old. So Not, not all the year olds are striking out Trout and Goldschmidt in the major. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I heard the announcer say they were 20 years old. I couldn't believe it. Well, you know, like you know, the, the way the rules are for the international players, you don't – you can't post to the MLB if you're under, I think it's 25 or 26 from Japan. No. And if you if – you, you can, but then you're like – there's a lot of like money issues where you don't get the same kind of money. Um, like you can't really just come as a free agent. It would be more like a league minimum deal. So they don't have any, you know, they're, they're not coming over to America for at least a couple of years. Right. right. Like, you know, obviously I don't know about all of them, but some of them are going to chase the money that's in American baseball um, and major leagues and the notoriety that comes with it. Obviously there's plenty of notoriety that comes with winning the world baseball classic in Japan and being in the J- Japanese baseball leagues. I, you know, I think we talked about it last episode that something like 60 million people watch Japanese the Japanese World Baseball Classic games, like that's some that's some damn notoriety right there. Um, but yeah, I think at that you know some of these guys I'm sure will eventually post the MLB, but we gotta have to wait a couple of years. They probably have one more World Baseball Classic in them before they uh, they come here. I agree, I agree. No, and and yeah, and I know that I, I'm not holding my breath for them to to come over anytime soon, but um, I could totally see it happening. Um, well, I mean, one more player who was not who really did impress during a tournament. Um, who was not on, who was not on Team Japan, but was on Team Mexico was Randy Rosarena, um, who was just absolutely stellar, especially in that last game, um, where he was making cat. He, he robbed a home run. He made it like a mm-hmm. leaping catch at the wall. That was a fantastic he, catch. He had a go ahead. Like, he had, had forever to, to make that up. catch too, right? I mean, he like he got back to the wall and then just like posted mm-hmm. up for it's. You know, I'm sure it was like three seconds, but it felt like a minute. Yeah, <laughs> and then just leaped over and just snatched it. But he was everywhere. I mean, he, yeah, he. It's funny that announcers. I was watching the the Canada broadcast because again, I don't watch FS1. Um, <laughs> but they were saying how like just hit it anywhere but left field because Randy is just going to play every ball. Um, and it really felt that way. Uh, Reminded me of his. He, he was uh, he was talking a lot before the game. Um, you know, yeah, you know, talking smack. I don't. I wouldn't say he was like you know going crazy. He was being playful. I think it was all in fun. Uh, he wasn't like you know being like a douchebag about it, but like 
he backed it up. He backed it up yeah. in his play. And it was absolutely. Yeah. And it, it really was having fun. I mean, he, he was he had his pose and him and him and Otani were doing, you know, like yeah. the arms cross pose. He was wearing the sombrero everywhere. He was putting on cowboy boots. He was really relishing the whole tournament. Um, and if if the idea of a tournament and like a winner go home situation is exciting to him and brings out a player like that, um, like it, it remind it reminded me of him in the 2020 playoffs when he was with when the Rays made the World Series and lost to the Dodgers. Randy Rosarena hit um, a playoff record 10 home runs in that postseason, which beat out Barry Bonds, Beltran, um, and another player who had who, all who had eight. So it's quite a list. <laughs> it's quite a list. So if, if he comes alive in those situations, then maybe he's the October hero that the New York Mets need to really elevate. <laughs> huh? you, you're calling another future Met? I'm calling another future Met Randy Rosarena. I think he would, I think he'd do all right here. I like. One thing that you kind of alluded to there is that, like, I think it gets overlooked with the World Baseball Classic about people talk about how exciting it is compared to kind of normal baseball uh, that we see in the regular season. But these are all winner go home games, and you just don't get that in baseball often, right? Like, it's a yeah. long season. Every game is like seven point, like less than point, you know, less than a percent of the season, right? Like, every game is like 0.7% of the season. Even in the playoffs, you know, there's not a lot of winner go home games. Um, you know, so and it, it's exciting when you have a tournament like that, obviously with the way the baseball is played, that lends itself to a little bit of luck, a little bit of the ball bouncing here and there, getting the right call, but it makes it makes for obviously some exciting TV. Definitely. Super exciting. Um, but of course the intensity of the, of the world baseball classic can also lend itself to, you know, people going really hard or just <laughs> otherwise putting themselves in harm's way. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, it is a sport where we use our, they use our bot, they use their bodies. Um, so there were a couple other injuries as well that occurred in addition to um, our fallen hero, Edwin Diaz. Uh, yeah. Altuve uh, went down in the world baseball classic too. He fractured his thumb. They said he's out at least two months. So that in June, maybe we'll see him. Um, you know, obviously that's a big blow for the Astros. He's a fantastic player has been for years. He's a leader on that team. Yeah. Um, yeah. The playoff cheating scandal aside, um, he's obviously you know an icon for that organization. Yeah, uh, a lot of a player that a lot of young players look up to. Um, obviously, they have a stacked team and they will survive. They're a good team, even though you know the Rangers are trying to make a play in that division. But uh, you can't losing Altuve is big. It's hard. Um, yeah, even yeah. for a couple months. And then um, also Adam Wainwright went down too. He had a groin strain. They're not saying exactly how serious it is. They don't know, I feel like, for sure yet. Um, they said several weeks is the issue. And not for nothing, he's 41 years old. You know, that's it's not hard to come back from a soft... It's hard to come back from a soft tissue injury, you know, no matter how old you are. And then when you're that old, you know, you're 41, kind of on the... And, you know, towards the end of your career, that makes it tough. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I was watching some some Adam Wainwright interview clips from the world baseball classic and he was even he was saying how much fun he was having and how like how much how how meaningful of an experience it was which is crazy because coming off the ridiculous season that i feel like the cardinals and yadier molina and albert pulos all had i feel he's i think he's kind of reached his like baseball peak almost it's like if if he was injured and he missed a significant amount of time I, i'm sure he still wants to pitch but of course. he's had a pretty stellar career adam wainwright um yeah and he, it has been pretty good recently too. I mean, obviously they haven't won a championship in a while, but um, it's nothing to be shy of. 
I think I think if he went to call it quits soon, I'd be like, honestly, good man, because that's you, fair. You, I think I feel like he'll out. play the season out. I don't think he's going to go out on an injury. Um, I think he's going to get he's going to get that fair kind of farewell tour um, that a lot of players get, um, and deservedly so. He's been in the league for so long um, and so good. Um, but yeah, like you said, the intensity can lead to that injury plagued especially in the early of the year when you're not fully warm yet um but something that i think max scherzer brought up that i thought was like a kind of good thought is to move the world baseball classic to like the spring like um like every three years have a longer all-star break and or every four years have a longer all-star break and just skip the all-star game and make it a world baseball classic week um it'd be almost like march madness in the middle of july like you know there's a week of crazy baseball happening that's pretty um, interesting. I mean, you know, everybody was warm. Um, yeah. Maybe some people would opt out because they want, they'd rather have the break. Uh, right. They get ready for the rest of the season. Uh, but, you know, I think that with it being during spring training, a lot of people who play winter league ball and other like winter league, you know, like they, they have an advantage coming into it. A lot of like the Latin American players who have, you know, that winter league. Mm-hmm. they have there are warm they're all just coming out of a short season of games and they're going into the major leagues already warm and so coming into the world baseball classic they're warm and ready to go um so it'd be interesting to have it during july or i don't think any any baseball player wants to have it in october november after the no. playoffs i think no, that's like their nightmare scenario to have another month of the season definitely not definitely not yeah i, I think by the time you get to october you're like whether whether you are in the playoffs or not you're like i need this needs to be over soon i've just <laughs> i've just played 162 games of baseball it needs to be over soon um i guess i mean that sounds fantastic i just i don't know the fact just the only thing is the world baseball classic and there's a lot of travel and it's like these people play everywhere um yeah so with the injuries and um um everything it's it, it, it is making me look forward to uh, the next one, even with the injuries, is what I meant to say. Um, injuries, injuries. There are some more injuries um, that I feel like we got to cover that are not Diaz. Um, there's been some stuff happening around the division. Yeah, just today, actually. Uh, we got uh, a big news from the Phillies. They uh, – non-contact injury for Reese Hoskins. He went down and the word is that it's a torn ACL. Uh, they haven't, you know, made it official, but that, you know, probably means he's out for the season. Uh, that's, that's it for him. He'll, he's a leader in the clubhouse, you know, as young as he is, um, he's their union rep. He certainly, you know, players look up to him. Um, he's been a presence in the Phillies for, I feel like a long time now. He's not like, he's not particularly old, but it seems like we've been talking about him for a while. Yeah, he's been. It's a tough break. It's, I yeah, I can't say I'm a a, a personal fan of Reese Hoskins, but he clearly means a lot to that team. Um, I've, one of my one of my friends who's a Phillies fan says he's the heart of the lineup, even if he's not the most productive. Um, and I can see, yeah, I mean, with the union, like he's a union rep, he's 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 there for the guys, um, and that's that stinks. He had 30 home runs last year. I didn't realize. Yeah, he had, a, he had a really good year last year. Um, I think it might have been his best year of his career. Uh, I just looked at these. Uh, he's been in the league since 17, so five years, five seasons so far? Six seasons, I'm sorry. Feels like longer. Um, <laughs> uh, who else? Uh, Andrew Painter, who we mentioned on this podcast. Andrew Painter, ago. what's going on with him? The top prospect. 
Unfortunately, Andrew Painter is out for a few weeks with a strained ligament in his right elbow as well, hmm. which is not good, but I don't know. We'll see how how tall right. is he again? He's like six six ten, something like that. Something like that, yeah. We it was, it was John Rauschian. <laughs> John Rauschian. Um I wonder I wonder if I mean I'm not that tall. I'm tall, but I'm not that tall. I wonder no. how natural pitching is for someone whose body is that big. It's gotta be different mechanics, no? I'm sure it's different mechanics, but I feel like a like tall, lanky person is like what you I envision when I think of a pitcher. Like like I, I think like a like Degrom is the Grom's body type, like his like build seems like it could be ideal for someone who wants to throw hard and have and have good control. Um, but I don't actually I don't know what Andrew Painter looks like. That yes. being said, uh, Degrom has had some injuries the last couple of years with those, you know. So. That is true. That is true. <laughs> That is true. Um, also in the NL East, uh, Rysel Iglesias, who's the closer for the Braves, he has suffered an injury. He has some inflammation on his pitching shoulder, um, and he'll start the season on the IL. Exact debut date for the 2023 season, 23, 2023 season to be determined. Um, but, yeah, everyone, I mean, the injuries will start to come because baseball is – basically a year-long sport aside for a few months in the winter. Um, and I expect that we will see uh, people continue to get hurt around the league, sadly. But, you know, you wish everyone could be healthy, but they're not. Iglesias is a big loss for the Braves, too. I mean, they're, you know, they have, again, a good team, but that he, he pitched lights out for them since, his, since he was um, traded from last year. I think he had 25 or 30 appearances for them and pitched like a, a 0.3 ERA or something ridiculous like that. Um, so he, he, he was crazy good for them once, once they traded. And that was, you know, it's going to be a big, big loss for the, at least the beginning of the season. Um, but luckily, luckily for them, he's not out for the whole year. Yeah. Um, and then, do we, uh, what do you think? Let's do what we'll go to the Mets injuries and then take a break. Or do you want to take a break first and we can, we'll get back. Let's to do that. it. Let, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up these injuries. Get them out of the way. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So you, uh, well, so, so Edwin Diaz had, um, you know, as we mentioned last week and as many Mets fans know, had a pretty awful injury on his knee. Uh, he had a successful surgery. Um, but I guess the thing that, I was most ex- excited to hear. I mean, I, I was I was wondering how Steve Cohen was going to handle the situation. You know, he he made this big investment in this player, this guy who had these high expectations for this year. But apparently, um, Cohen said, you know, we're going to do what we can to take care of you. Your health is important. Um, he has already gotten Diaz a trainer, a nutritionist, a personal chef. Um, and he's, you know, he's trying to not, if not necessarily expedite his recovery process, at least try to take care of him and take some of the weight of that recovery off his plate. Obviously, Edwin Diaz just got paid $100 million this this past offseason and can certainly afford the, <laughs> that uh, personal trainer and nutritionist. I really pitcher in baseball. He's got the money. He's got the money. But, you know, having someone else think about it for you and take care of it um, is really a good sign. Yeah, I think that's such a, a great move. Um, and it really shows how much, like, Steve Cohen cares about this team and wants them to succeed and his like likes his players um, and how much he's like willing to invest in his players that he's doing this out of his own pocket. And, you know, for no other reason than he wants his player to get well as quickly as possible and be as comfortable as possible while he's not well. Um, 
such a great move. Um, so cool to see that an owner do that. Um, when you know, I think last year you had uh, the A's owner who was didn't even charter a flight for his All Stars to go to the All Star game. <laughs> so yeah, it's well, not something an owner has to do, and it's it's nice to see him do it. Well, I mean, obviously Steve Cohen has the money, but I I I also heard that um, there is an insurance policy for players who uh, play in the World Baseball Classic or or are injured for for I guess re- activities related to it, um, and if they don't play any time in the regular season, they actually get sort of like a refund or I, I mean I guess an insurance claim for Diaz's salary for the year, so that will kick in. Um, you know, close to twenty million dollars. I think it's eighteen to twenty million dollars, something around there, for this year. I did um, see that too. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty great. I mean, that's you know, I obviously it's nice to compensate the team, but you know, it doesn't it doesn't take away from our collective bar, you know, our tax threshold penalty, unfortunately. But like you said, it doesn't make Steve Cohen whole a little bit. Um, right. And I actually read when we, when I saw that come out that uh, that's the reason Clayton Kershaw didn't come into the World Baseball Classic. He was deemed uninsurable by the World Baseball Classic insurers, and uh, they he couldn't work something out with the Dodgers to let him play. So that's the reason he didn't play for Team USA. Interesting, because I remember him being interviewed about why he wasn't going to play, and he was like, right. hey, "We're trying to figure it out. We can't figure it out." And it, it seemed like a very nebulous, like administrative issue. So that's interesting to learn. Yeah, it turns out it was insurance. Wow, <laughs> these damn actuaries are ruining our baseball classic. <laughs> Um, let's see, Nimmo. Uh, it's, it's like when we recorded, yes, we recorded last week, we were talking about the Diaz injury, and then the day after, we find out that Brandon Nimmo, um, his cleat got hung up on a slide and he injured his right knee and ankle in the game on the day after. And I was, we were freaking out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, luckily, yeah. as as Brandon Nimmo has done, and it, it feels like the past few times he's had injury scares in the past year or two, yeah, um, he's. He's been able to bounce back and it hasn't been too much of an issue. Um, you know, he takes good care of his body. So he hopes to play again in games later this weekend. And he said he should be ready for opening day, which is pretty good. That's fantastic news from what it first sounded like. Um, you know, to your point, he was injured a little bit last year, but he played 150 games for us. You know, he's able to take care of his body, like you said. Um, but geez, what a relief. Uh, after first hearing that he sprained his knee and ankle, I'm just like, of course, like, here comes Tommy Pham starting center field opening day. Um, uh, or maybe a little Castro. We'll see. But, uh, Castro. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I was, I, I'm still concerned about the, like the, his uh, maybe hesitations to steal and his base running. Right. I mean, the way I understood it last year and in years past, why he hasn't stolen many bases is because he's worried about getting injured and for that to kind of come true and, and, and you know materialize and him actually you know get this sprain doesn't feel good and it might you know hinder his running game a little bit more um i mean he was able to be productive without stealing many bases last year but exactly uh, but still i mean we were hoping it would be a little more part of his game to me if we get 30 more games from brandon nemo for with a trade-off of 15 fewer steals i'm happy like I'll, i'll take that absolutely um, you know, I yeah. want him to be healthy if he feels that stealing bases won't let him be healthy for a full season, even with the shorter bases, even though he's got now a long-term contract and he doesn't have to worry about his money um, like he did last year. I'm happy with it. I, I will take Brandon Nimmo 
at 100 percent for 150 games over a Brandon Nemo who steals bases and plays 100 games for us. Totally agree. And uh, we got one more injury that uh, we're gonna we could uh, talk about for the Mets is uh, Brooks Rally. He left the World Baseball Classic with a hamstring strain, uh, and he appeared in a spring training game earlier this week. So luckily, it seems like he might be ready for opening day. Um, I'm not sure he, if he appeared in spring. I think he's he's trying to appear. Um, oh, I'm sorry, my mistake. Yeah, but he's working on it. I mean, it's it seems like he's optimistic to play on opening day or be, at least be sort of available. And that'd be good because with Diaz down, obviously he's going to make a much bigger part of our bullpen. Him, Adovino, and uh, Robertson kind of are going to make up the core of our bullpen now without Diaz. So it, it's, it would be big to be missing him. Um, although it does now sound like as if we are going to miss him, it'll only be for maybe a week or so into the season. Right. That's lucky. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I don't, Brooks Raley, when he was cut off that, well, not cut, but when he was replaced on that World Baseball Classic roster, he was replaced by another lefty, former Met, Aaron Loop. Aaron who Loop. Actually, who actually did pitch an inning or pitched out of a jam for the U.S. in the final game against Japan. Aaron Loop, I liked him. I actually wish we signed him that year, even if he didn't have a great year. But yeah, he had, he had a pretty bad year with the Angels, right? Um, after yeah. that, but um, yeah, he was he was so great in the Mets. I was disappointed when they didn't sign him, but I guess the results kind of speak for themselves, and that was a good move, as it turns out. Okay. <laughs> Which is why uh, we are not the GMs. Exactly. They they saw something we we could never see. Okay, so that will close out our first half. We're gonna take a break, and we'll come back in the second half talking a little about spring training. We'll have a trivia question again, um, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the new things going on at. City Field and what the Mets are planning to do this season. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. We are going to jump into our second half. And to start off our second half, we will do a little trivia. 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 Uh, I'll pass it to Steve for the question. All right, folks. So we got our trivia question this week. We're going to try to make it uh, maybe a little easier than this one. Everybody's going to have heard of these people. So there uh, are two records we're going to talk about. The answer is going to be two different people. So one question is going to be the Mets player. There's a player who owns the National League record for most relief appearances by a relief pitcher. Um, he's pitched primarily for the Mets. Uh, I think a vast majority of his record called 1,100 to round relief appearances with the Mets, about 700 of them were. And then there's another player who holds the record for most appearances by any major league by a major league relief pitcher um you know across the national league and the american league which is about 1200 1250 relief appearances and he has the most of them that he has with the mets that's 300 about 300 400 of them with the mets um and he's got a smattering among other teams as well but he's done most of his mets and i think he's mostly famous with the mets so it's the major league leader in relief appearances as well as the National League leader of the relief appearances. Both of them are prominent Mets and both of them are the answers to our trivia questions this week. And this is career, to- like career totals? Career totals, yeah. Appearances throughout their career. And it's, it's the timeline is open. It's The time the timeline is forever. I will say that um, one of them pitched prominently for the Mets during our lifetime. Mm. Um, and the other one, although did not pitch prominently for Mets during our lifetime, is certainly a Met that most Met fans would know. Um, he's, you know, a, a pretty famous Met 
as far as Mets go. Um, and you, you've definitely heard of them. Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that they've that, that I, I will know both of them because this feels like a record that is one of these old time records. You know? It's it's not as old as you think. I'll actually also say that you know it's it's not too far off the American League leader, uh, with just just over 1,100 saves. Um, is Mariano Rivera. So mm. it's it's interesting that all the uh, relief leaders come from New York teams. Although R- Rivera is the only one of these three to do it all for one team. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I will think about it. All right. <laughs> I have some ideas. You have some I have ideas. Some ideas. Okay. I think um, there's definitely some Mets I remember who, I mean, even led seasons in relief appearances that are coming to mind. Sure. Like people who led the majors in relief appearances. So I'm, I'm thinking it might be one of those guys. Okay. I'll give you the answer at the end. Stick around. All right. Uh, so I guess with that, we can just jump into our topics, let everybody else uh, think about their answer, and we'll we'll come back to it at the end. Uh, so this week, the Mets are 2-4-1 and one in spring training since we last spoke. Um, you know, not a ton has happened. Uh, you know, some roster transactions are starting to happen now because the, the deadlines are coming up and people have to be optioned to AAA camps or to AAA outright. And one prominent member who's that's happened to is uh, Francisco Alvarez. He's... Uh, our catcher of the future is not our catcher of the current, and mm. now we're going to be a triple A to start the season. What do you think about that? I mean, he he was a dud of the week for me last last <laughs> week for a reason. Um, listen, I I'm again, I have high I have high I have high hopes for him. I think everyone on the Mets has high hopes for him, but this really seems like it has to be the right move at this time. I mean, he's he's not going to get playing time if he were to make the roster. As much as I want to see him. Um, hit and you know show off that light tower power. He's not going to thrive as a DH, um, which is already a credit position for us. Um, and he's not something that we can just plug and play. He's still what twenty years old, nineteen years old. Yeah, um, twenty. Twenty. So he needs he needs the playing time, um, and he needs to be able to get behind the dish and continue to do that and continue to learn. So hopefully, doing so at AAA consistently will be better for him. And when the time is right, whether it be just outstanding performance or an injury, which we knock on wood, hope it doesn't happen. Um, or I don't know, maybe Narvaez and Neo just suck. Um, also hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, then, then it'll be his time. But I think for now, I want to see him just continue to grow. And, and, you know, he, I, I read that, I read that he, he, he was learning a lot from all the bench coaches and obviously the two catchers who were ahead of him on the depth chart during spring training. And that's where he got a lot of the work in. Um, but his bat was not showing during spring training. And maybe that was part of the whole plan to really just focus on catching mm. and get with the professional, get with the, you know, the big league catchers and coaches on that. Um, so, you know, I just hope that the bat, I mean, there's no way the bat has just disappeared. You know, you just hope that the bat heats up and can start to see pitches better and can start to really be more consistent because that's what you need. You know, you just need consistency always. What do you think about, about Francisco Alvarez at AAA? Yeah, I mean, I think that was going to be the move all along, right? We we brought Navarez in here because he we want him to be splitting time with Nito. Um, I, I don't think the plan was ever to have uh, Alvarez start the season off with us. I think he obviously, like you said, he struggled as far as hitting goes in spring training, and that's kind of the his big thing why he's here. Um, he struggled a lot when he was up with the club last year towards the end of the season. Uh, he just hasn't shown it in the major league or even spring training level at this point. Obviously, he's killing the ball in the minor leagues, but it hasn't translated yet. I'm, you know, 
he's like you said, he's 20 years old. We, plenty of time for that to happen. Um, his defense, like you said, he worked on it a lot this spring. That is the where he has to be, right? He, he there's no other position for him in the immediate future. Your DH, like you said, is crowded. He's not doesn't seem to be athletic enough to play like a corner infield position, maybe first base. But obviously, Pete is our guy. Hopefully, for the future, let's see if the long term contract happens with him. But yeah, he's got to get better behind the plate. Triple A is where he's going to start, regardless. I think, um, and I think you know, there's also service time implications. Even if he were lighting it up in spring training, that they, you know, he's so young that you want that extra year more than you might want for like Pete was much older when he came up and he right. won that starting first baseman job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was something that was going to happen no matter what, uh, but it happened. And <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, it's it's interesting hearing you know being reminded that he's 20 years old, especially when we were talking about yeah. all the, the, the team Japan players earlier in this, this podcast about, you know, these, these guys throwing a hundred at 20 years old and striking yeah. out Trout and Goldschmidt. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just different development. I, I have no idea what player development's like in Japan and how players are able to excel that quickly. Um, but we'll see. Everyone's on their own pace. And yeah. I think his youth is good. It's, it, I'd rather him be 20 than 25 in, in the same <laughs> position. Um, one interesting thing about him being optioned is the people who weren't optioned, right? Uh, Vientos is still with the team. Beatty's still with the team. Um, I think Mauricio was optioned already uh, mm. a little before Alvarez. He was optioned earlier this week. Um, but, you know, he was also going to, he's also going to AAA. I think he's another one that he was always going to go to AAA. I think Vientos is probably the most likely to make the team. If we'll see what happens with Ruff, um, you know, he's batting a scorching 160 so far this spring. Goodness, <laughs> um, goodness, and- goodness gracious, God help us, Darren Ruff. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I personally love to see Vientos take that spot, um, but we'll see. Um, it seems like Vientos and Beatty, I mean, are getting. It, it seems like the right people are talking to them. It seems like they're getting the mentorship, and you know, people are speaking highly of them: Escobar, David Wright coaches um so you know you hope it you hope it makes an impact um and you hope that it can you see some good results um because everyone wants them to everyone wants them to succeed yeah um hopefully hopefully we'll see that soon and you know if escobar continues to struggle too maybe we see Beatty too like you think you think vientos makes makes it over Beatty? I think Vientos makes it over Beatty. Yeah. I think that Beatty is a much higher touted prospect. And if he's going to come up, he is going to need a position full time. Right. Right. Where Vientos, I think he might have a little more wiggle room that they start him as a DH, maybe part time as the right handed hitting DH. Maybe he gets some reps at first to give Pete a day off here and there. Maybe he gets some reps at third to give Escobar a day off here and there. But I think that. If Beatty is coming up, he has, he's going to be playing third base every day. Um, and I don't think the Mets are ready to go off of Escobar so fully yet. So I don't right. think that Beatty really has that chance as as, as Vientos might. That's that's a really interesting, um, just the balance between, you know, if, if you are the better player or you're the more like well-rounded player, which is I think Brett Beatty is compared to Mar- to Vientos. Oh, I agree. Like you need you need more time or you you need a different situation. They don't want to, kind of waste your talent away on the bench. Right. Um, it's, it's like the spoils of being too good almost. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I never really considered that much. You know, I, I, I guess Alvarez is sort of in a similar boat too, where it's like, obviously you have the skills to to play here. I mean, you might need a little more work, but we need you to play full time because that's just that's just how the game of professional baseball works. You play every day. You need. Yeah, yeah. You can't be interrupted. Your your cycles can't be interrupted like that. Yeah. I, I, so I I do think that, like you said, um, we'll see what we'll see what happens with them all. Hopefully they'll all come up and be great. <laughs> but I hope so. Uh, I hope you know, so. Uh, prospects are always kind of a lottery ticket, so we'll yeah. see. I know it's it's, it's just hard because we've been talking. I mean, they came up last year. It would be hard to to think that Beatty is gonna stay in the minors for a whole another season while we fill out like Mar- while Mark Canna finishes out his who I Mark Canna who I love finishes out his contract. But is blocking Brett Beatty, who you know is a prospect. It's like how long can someone be a prospect for? I, I think before, unless, before I mean, they're just being throttled. I mean, Beatty Beatty has not been a prospect for very long, right? I mean, he's older because he was a he was a college player when we drafted him, and yeah. I think he was also I don't remember the circumstances, but he was older for a college player too. I think I think even as a freshman, he was like twenty one or something like that as a freshman, maybe yeah. twenty. Um, so I, I think he's even though he's older, he's not been a prospect for a terribly long time. I guess it just feels that way. I guess I guess when you're a top prospect, you people are people have been talking about you for years, so it feels like you've been in the in the organization for a very long time. I want to say he was drafted in 2020, um, and then he didn't get the whole 2020 because there was no minor league season as well. So oh, I think, yeah. I think that also impacted him a little bit. Um, but I, I believe, let's see, his draft dates was a 2019 draft. So he was drafted in June of 19. He didn't get to play in minors in 2020. You know, he's even though he's on the older side for a prospect, 23 years old now, he's still you know, a young in terms of experience in the minors. Right. Um, so we can start talking about some of the other Mets we got for the spring training now. We got a couple of our regulars back now that the World Baseball Classic has ended and some of their, as they were getting eliminated. Uh, Lindor is back full-time with the team, as is Escobar and uh, Navarez, and, of course, Jeff uh, McBeal and Pete Alonso. Yeah. Um, specifically want to highlight those two, um, and as well as Navarez as well. But they just didn't get any playing time for their teams, right? Yeah. I mean, Alonso was just struggling. Um and obviously Goldschmidt is, you know, all due respect to Pete, Goldschmidt's the better player, right? Um, yeah. And... I mean, he, Pete had a, he had a couple, I think he was like 0 for 11 or 0 for 9. He had a little dinky little blooper. Yeah. Single for his first hit. And that, that ended up actually, um, I think he was pinch ran for, and then he actually scored on that Trey Turner to Grand Slam. So that, that's it, right. was a, it was a meaningful hit and a meaningful run scored. Yeah, I think he he also drove in a run um, against Cuba in the semifinals. Cuba, yes, yeah, he with bases loaded. He, he, least, yeah. he drove an opposite field shot to you know just base it to the opposite field to. Um, I don't know. He pulled it. I'm sorry. He pulled it. He pulled he pulled the ball into left field to drive in a run with uh, against Cuba. Yeah, but he had, he didn't get a lot of playing time. He got maybe 15 at bats through the tournament. Um, obviously, he would be would have gotten more had he stayed with the team. Same with Jeff. He was just blocked by spectacular players, right? Um, left field. I don't know who's playing left field. Mullins played left field in the finale, but I, either way, Jeff was struggling in the beginning of the World Baseball Classic. Um, it, second base, they moved Tim Anderson to play Tim second Anderson. base uh, since Turner was at shortstop. Who I was watching. I mean, I was, you know, I was thinking about your comments about how fantastic of a player he was. He was, he was a fantastic defender, Tim Anderson. Yeah, he was, and he's he had a position a, too. 
he's like so long and he like he made some they're they were playing a shift on some people and he would just reach and he would just get the I remember he got the ball on a bounce to second base for some force play. He was he's really good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, obviously Turner is a great shortstop too. And but we we had gotten to see him more right. as as Met fans um in our division for so long. Um but yeah, Tim Hampshire was a was a pleasant surprise. But um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm glad that the boys are back and getting the reps. Um and hopefully they feel energized. I, I saw Pete make some comments about how you know it felt like playoff playoff baseball again in the world baseball classic so hopefully it's a feeling that he wants to chase he wants to you know go on a deep run again for the mets and then uh what else we got we got uh continued struggles of uh mr tony fam tony. I, tommy, <laughs> I don't know tommy. why i insist on calling him tony um but we got this tommy fam and uh escobar both kind of continuing to struggle through the spring training um since we last spoke fam has been uh went two for nine with three strikeouts and escobar went one for ten uh so they're still they're still having a hard time um hopefully they get it going before the season goes especially escobar who will likely be our everyday third baseman uh fam obviously you know if he's struggling you know it's more of a bench role so it's not as big of a deal um but I think if Escobar struggles, I don't know how much of a leash he has before Vientos or Beatty takes that job from him. Yeah. Um, but it, it it wouldn't be great if we're starting the season because I'm sure they're going to give him some kind of leash, right? At least you know a month, two months, yeah. right? I would expect. I think he has to. I mean, if we think about last season, our, our starting third baseman was J.D. Davis, I believe. Like, I mean, Escobar, I mean, he was kind of splitting time with Escobar, I think. Was he splitting that much time in the beginning of the season? Before he got traded? I mean, he... I, I remember, I mean, Escobar, remember, Escobar did not really light up until the end of the season. So there was, um, there was always some question, I think, about his role. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's hard uh, uh, to see, it's hard to see um, him holding onto a role if he doesn't play at a, at a top level. Um, I, do, I do think they're going to give him some kind of leash, but. You know, hopefully not too long if Beatty continues kind of tearing it up in the minors. And it's always nice to see the future start. But yeah. Um, what else do we got? This week we also signed a few new relief pitchers in wake of Edwin Diaz's going down. Uh, no one flashy or anything big, but uh, Mets are just kind of stockpiling uh, low risk, high upside arms. Um, we got. Uh, Bubby Rossman, who pitched for the Israeli team during the World Baseball Classic, he did fine in two innings of work, not a ton. Um, Bubby, but I think he throws hard. I think he he gets under the high nineties with his fastball, uh, which is something I know the Mets organization likes. Um, he only has one inning of major league uh, experience with the Phillies, I believe, where he hit, got he let up two runs, I think, in one inning. Um, but I wonder, I wonder what Bubby Rossman calls his Bubby. Just, <laughs> and it's such, you know, he played for the Israeli team and it's, it's such a Jewish like thing to call your mother, your grandmother <laughs> too. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that is, I wonder what his, I wonder if that's his real first name or if that's kind of some kind of nickname that he uses in baseball. It's, it's definitely a baseball name, Bubby Rossman. I mean, yeah. <laughs> of, of all the baseball names we, we, we could sign, Bubby Rossman is, is as unique as they come. Um, but he's not a minor league deal, so he's you know I, I, I doesn't doubt he'll make the team out of spring, uh, but it gives him some flexibility in the minors. Uh, they also signed Dennis Santana from uh, we got him from waivers from the Twins last year. He played for the Rangers, I believe. Uh, didn't 
do it very effectively. What is a five and a half ERA, maybe four and a half yeah. ERA the year before? Five two two. Yeah. Five five two, two. He, he he threw in sixty three games, so he got a lot of innings. Yeah, he got in. a lot of time. Um, but again, to a five two two. Um, but he's another one. He throws hard, upper nineties fastball. Um, so you know, stockpiling those arms and Lake of Diaz. Um, yeah, that's again. I think the youth is good. I think twenty two years old is. Um, you know, you still have a lot of flexibility. Um, I'm I'm surprised he's been in the league since twenty eighteen though. Um, like, geez, was he? Was, well, was he do, yeah, was he throwing at seventeen? That's pretty crazy. I have to look him up and look up more more into this guy because. That was quite a while ago. Wait, he's not 20. Wait, he's born 96. He's born 96? 96, so that means he's 26. Okay, where did I get 22 from? Um, Still young, still young, still yeah. not. I mean, he's not a veteran arm who, was, who threw a 5-2 ERA. He's still got a little room. Uh, um, I got it. But regardless, I mean, he's... You know, we need the arms. And, you know, it's at this point in the offseason... The best arms are not on the market, so we have to, you know, trust in our in our pitcher development and our coaches to maybe find something there that was that could not have been found with other teams. Yeah, I mean, some these they're we're, they're minor league deals. They're low risk. Um, you know, they're they're not guaranteed a spot on our lineup. They have options to go up and down. There's no there's no risk to it. It's only an upside, and hopefully it turns out. And if it doesn't, we move on. That's right. Um, speaking of moving on, moving on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there have been some upgrades at City Field. I believe we may we may start preview last week that we mentioned on the podcast about the big new video board. Um, yeah, we talked about it a little bit. It, it had just been they were almost done with the installation. Um, the installation is complete. Uh, okay. Today on third today Thursday there there was a um, appeared to be like a press tour. Of all of some of the new features and some of the new concessions offerings at City Field, uh, as well as some presentation from some of the the Mets front office, um, but like the video board, again, I mean, it looks enormous. It looks it looks absolutely huge. I was looking at side by side between last year and this year, and I don't know if you remember in the main video board, right? There's the screen in the middle. Then there used yeah. to be the banner up top that was like "Let's go Mets." There was right. nice like the Nikon ad underneath it. There was there's stuff on the left and the right. And those were all kind of like, they look like big billboards. They were not static. Right. Now the whole right. thing, the whole thing is a big video board. It's crazy. It's so uh, big. I mean, to me, it's distractingly big. I don't know. Like, I think so too. <laughs> I, I really wonder how the, the players say it again. Sorry. With all the other new screens that they put in last year too. I feel like there's so many screens now. Um, it's a little overboard for me. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they if if there was any consultation with players, um, mm. or if that's just something that is is like it's a decision that's above them, right? It's just a, a front office decision, or it's just like a future of baseball decision. Um, like I, I I almost feel like it looks like some dystopian, like Neo Tokyo, like twenty fifty dome where it's like <laughs> super bright and. Like all the umpires are robots and they're wearing <laughs> goggles and shit. We're not, we're not far off from that. We're not far. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's just <laughs> above them, and this is just the beginning of this era. Um, because I also saw that the Phillies upgraded their um their board as well, and it also looks freaking enormous. So maybe that's just the future. I mean, they do it in other sports. I mean, albeit not facing the batter, right? It's like 
right the batter has to look at the pitcher like and the right side, they have like above the field also. yeah and like they have the batter's eye which is really helpful to see the ball you know to you know you have the black backdrop but then right above the batter's eye you have this enormous fucking screen that is staring you in the face so i wonder how it affects players at all um in addition to all the other screens uh we'll see i wonder if we'll see any sort of reports on it it's it'll be interesting one cool thing I did like is the way they kind of announced it and showed everybody working for the first time was they played a game of Mario Kart on it and released it. That, that was pretty cool to see. Well, I love it. I I, I, <laughs> I wonder if Steve Cohen just has some movie nights there. I feel like oh, I would. So cool. I would. It would yeah. be a nice flex. I would go. I would go there instantly. I would. I would go there before I go to a real theater. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump ahead of myself. But you know how sometimes other teams, you know, um, have viewing parties. Oh, that's true. Teams are, are on away games on the road. For, yeah, for, yeah, on a big game. for big games. Yeah, that'd be it really could cool. be interesting. I mean, it's a big enough screen for sure. I think I went to one of those for the Mets in like a theater once. Interesting. Yeah, I think we got walked off on against the Phillies, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not a very good experience. You're gonna, I do file out of the theater. Yeah. Um, um, there's also some new ballpark foods, which is usually not my jam, but they're they're interesting. There's some. Some weird monstrosity with a milkshake that has a donut on top of it, and then there's popcorn <laughs> on top of the donut, and then there's sugar and chocolate syrup on top of the popcorn. So it seems like I mean, a lot. Yeah, I think I'm too old to be eating those things now. But that's um, fair. But regardless, I mean, it, it it'll help get people to the to the to the stadium. I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's also, gonna smell good too. Like it will it smell was, very good. I love I love the smell of sweet baked bread. Oh yeah, that's it's so good. I think there's a stand behind, like between the home plate and third base line on the field level that does like waffle cone ice creams. And it's like with those like Chinese like dumpling waffles, you know, yes, like those like with the cream ones. puffs in them. Oh my God. There it's, it's, I haven't had one yet, but it smells so good. It smells really good. <laughs> um, what else? They also upgraded uh, in right field. We were talking about them bringing in the fence and they put in a new club there. Uh, the Joan Whitney Payson Club. It's now going to be a girl. Uh, we, you know, we talked about her for uh, International Women's Day and how the Mets don't really have a lot of like representation of her in the stadium. Uh, they have like a little plaque for her in the Hall of Fame and like a little VIP entrance on the side of the field. Uh, but now she gets her own uh, speakeasy, which is is really cool. It also is very much like kind of her speed um, as kind of being that socialite in like the early like mid early 1900s America and like you know she went to clubs and she like did all that so it was really cool like i think it it's perfect for her um i didn't even make that connection yeah of course yeah it's like it's like this, the front row seats are like thousands of dollars if you want to sit basically uh, on yeah. the field I, i'm never gonna get to sit there but it's, <laughs> it's gonna be cool it's a cool idea I'll, I'll i'll look at it from the top deck exactly we can go to the coca-cola corner on top and then uh... that's right and we, can, we can rappel down in secret <laughs> and kick the windows in like we're navy seals um <laughs> And then the last thing that was announced, among other announcements, I wish I could find the full video of the presentation at City Field, but um, there's a new ticket plan that the Mets are announcing for college students. Um, obviously, there's a lot of college colleges and college students in New York City, um, and the Mets are trying to capitalize on this demographic that is essentially priced out because baseball games have gotten more expensive. So they're trying to offer $15 tickets for college students um, that will be verified through a text-based service. Um, so they're trying to get more young people to the game and trying to make it more of just an environment. And I think it all goes to Steve Cohen and, you know, the Mets idea of just building the brand into, you know, obviously you have to win and, you know, 
that's how you get right. people there. But most important um, part. But you, but you also want people in the, you want people in the stadium to yeah. to see the team as well. I think it's an awesome idea. I think um, you know, before college, but like in like high school age and a little before that, like I would go try to go to games all the time, and you can get tickets at, at the time Shea Stadium for like seven bucks up in the nosebleed section. That's right. Um, so I love the idea. You get to way way more accessible for college students who don't, you know, obviously have seventy bucks to blow on tickets to a game. You know, hopefully there'll be good seats too, and not just kind of the upper deck seats. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be really cool. it's a really cool idea, and it's it's a great move by Cohen again, who just continues to do great things for this franchise. It seems this new ideas, and it's like why not? It's like why would you? Yeah, why would you price out some fans who would definitely come to see your game? Right? It's like he's not trying to like. He's not trying to like completely like make a shit ton of money. Um, right. So yeah. In fact, did you see the report came out today? I think last year the Mets led the league in uh, losses, like financial loss after really? the season, after revenue. Oh, I did not see that. we lost fifty five million dollars, something like that, a lot of money. Uh, but you know that's Cohen, like just saying fuck it, like he he's got the money. He's got to spend money to make money, baby. Exactly. <laughs> um. All right, so I guess with that, kind of wraps up our discussion for the week. And before we go, we should answer our trivia question. So uh, the question, again, was, you know, uh, name the Mets player who, you know, prominent Mets player who leads the led the National League in career relief appearances, as well as a separate prominent Mets player who led the major leagues in career relief uh, appearances as a pitcher. Uh, so you got any guesses, Eric? Or do you want okay. a hint before I go? Um. So I had an idea at first, and I thought it might be the NL leader, but I, I actually think this guess will be for the MLB leader because okay. I think he. I remember him pitching for. I remember. I, I do have it, to revise what I said, by the way. That okay. It's, um, it, both of these people did pitch during our lifetime, even though the major league leader's prominence was before our lifetime. His time with the Mets was before us. Oh, okay. He, but he well, did. Should... But he did pitch in the majors until two thousand three. That might change. Okay, that might change. He pitched into the majors until 2003. The major league leader, yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, now I have an, I have a new idea for both okay. of them. Okay, who you got? For the MLB leader, my guess is going to be Armando Benitez. Okay. And then for the NL leader, my guess is going to be Pedro Feliciano. I like the Pedro Feliciano guess. You mentioned having, like led the majors in relief appearances which that's, that's what i was thinking both guesses are wrong though ah, okay yeah. all right so the the national league leader i'll give you a hint he's a prominent lefty he holds the record for most saves by a lefty i believe Ooh. he was the captain of the mets come on franco? you got it franco what? franco john franco leads the yeah, national okay. league in relief okay. appearances um and the major league leader uh, played a prominent role in the Mets' 86 World Series win. Um, he he pitched into 2003 for tons of different teams, played, spent a lot of time with the Orioles um, in Baltimore. He was on the 86 Mets? He was on the 86 Mets. Come on. Did he, did he close it out? Or Roscoe? Jesse Roscoe? Jesse Roscoe, that's right. Okay. <laughs> wow. I uh, guess there was, for some reason, I was thinking that it wasn't going to be a closer. So I think when you told me Mariano was okay. the was the AL leader, I I just, I, I, I was like, why would, it, like, why, would it, why would it not be a closer? Um, right, right. Because I figure closers, I don't know, are more reserved for certain days or not, but. Especially back in those days, but yeah, you know. I don't think Orozco closed his whole career. I think he closed, he split time closing with the Mets, 
like it was a lefty righty split. Um, so he wasn't a full-time closer for the Mets and yeah, he didn't, he wasn't a prominent closer after the Mets, um, for the Orioles and the Indians where he played a lot of games. He didn't close. He wasn't just, he just played early. Well, half stumped, I guess. Yeah. Eventually got there. Yeah. 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 Well, no offense. We got there. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll go home and study now. Um, <laughs> But I think that'll be it for our episode this week. So um, I want to thank everyone for joining us and listening. Um, we'll be back next week for our opening day preview. Opening um, day, baby. Opening one day week is away. one week away. This um, time next week, the Mets will play a meaningful game. A meaningful game. Not spring training, but a meaningful game. Crazy. Um, well, again, if you have any comments, questions, please email us at foolishfaithfulmetspot at gmail.com. Um, and on behalf of Steve and myself, Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week. Let's go Mets!